tonight. The big boys all drop points as Arsenal conspire to throw away another golden opportunity to secure top four. We talk deflowering virgins and say no to Mustafi Meth in this and Ask Brothers Rankcast. Welcome to this and Ask Brothers Rantcast. We're back. We're not really that happy, but we're going to push on and we're going to try and have a look at things that are, I don't, we're going to try and look at things that are less than suicide and try not to harp too much on the spunk bubble that is Mustafi. We were meant to have the ultimate Mustafi hater in the room tonight with Scunny Mike from the Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast, but he's had something come up and had a last minute bail and lo and behold, Toby has bailed on us again. That cunt's doing something else. So we've called in a ring in. Our mate from the US, Ryan, how are you? Ah, doing good. As good as good can be. Uh, Still heated, frustrated, but uh, hopefully there's greener pastures going forward. I don't know if there's any fucking greener pastures anywhere this week, mate, but... We will push on, Ryan. We we will absolutely push on. Hey, uh, Ryan, you know something interesting? Uh, what? Tottenham lost. Man U lost. Chelsea drew, and in a must-win game for Arsenal to assert themselves as the the best of the rest, the king of the hill, the top of the pile. We went and fucking lost to Crystal Palace, mate. It's painful. I know you found it painful. Tell me what you're just... We've had a day to, to mourn. I guess it's it's not as fresh as what it was yesterday. How are you feeling today? How are you feeling about the, the whole situation unfolding and what it means for us for the rest of the season? Um, I mean, I would say... I, I don't know. How, I, I really don't know how to feel. Um, these teams are... You know, the other teams of Chelsea, Tottenham... Menu. They're doing us nothing but favors. They seem to not want to go to Champions League. I don't. I don't know, I don't know what their deals are, but they're they're giving everything that you know. They're giving everything they got to, to help us out, and we're just no. We're like you know the little kid that's learning how to ride a bike and yell at the parents. No, I don't want your help. I'm gonna do this myself. Ah, uh, yeah, mate. So I am. Um, I kind of felt much the same. You know, for me on second viewing like i've had a day off i actually recorded with guns and yellow ribbons yesterday for their latest podcast so get around that and have a listen um but since then i've actually probably calmed down a little bit um less reactive i'm less angry about it i've kind of got a bit more scope around why the decisions were made for formations and things like that and as we kind of get into it i think i'll I think hopefully I'm going to be able to throughout kind of the body of this podcast, maybe get some people to, I don't think, change their minds about the game because you can't ask people to change their minds about a game of football, but maybe change their perceptions at least around Emery, not around the individual performances, but around the decision makings, the decision making that Emery made. Um, Ryan, we might as well dig straight into the lineups. Um Initially, were you like so many of us and you saw that Genduzi El Nenny access and your guts just dropped right through your asshole? Uh, yeah, uh, you, something like that. Um, again, you know, back to 
the Everton game, I, I was excited for El Nene. I told you I'm not I'm not a huge hater on him. Um, but again, for 19 year old, I, I don't I don't understand this. Um, and you know, I was excited for the Everton game. Now seeing them both, I'm like, uh, and I know if this is gonna sound real bad, but uh, part of me for that for like a split second was just like. Does Emery not care about this game? Does he want us to lose? I know that's bullshit now, but it's just uh, very interesting that he decides to go with Lamp that failed so miserably. I think that's the that's the the biggest thing that sticks out and the, and the hardest pill for me to swallow in the in the immediate aftermath of the game. I was screaming at the television if it failed so miserably against Everton. Why in the fuck did you think? that it wasn't going to fail against Crystal Palace. I mean, as far as the, the the back five went, look, I wasn't really happy with the back five when it came out. I see the back five as an away formation, not a home formation. But maybe taking into account that Koscielny is by all accounts literally playing on one leg and pretty much unable to run. Um, that Maybe on that parameter, you know, you needed to have three at the back. You needed to have the extra numbers. I thought Maverick Panos was pretty poor against Everton. I, I think we kind of gave him a break. You did that podcast with us, Ryan. We all kind of gave him a little bit of a break, um, you know, because it was it was so early in the season. Uh, sorry, because it was his first game of the season. And look, in hindsight, what we know about Mustafi's performance now, regardless, with the squad that was available to... Emery, whether we had have selected a four at the back or a five at the back, I unfortunately still have Mustafi in that starting lineup. Um, yeah, I mean, and you kind of brushed up on it. Uh, I, you know, with the with the terrible choice in midfield, Emery decides, oh hey, you don't like it? Well, I'm going to double down, and I'm going to throw in Janko. I'm going to throw in Mavropanos. I'm going to go to a yeah, and I think we should have went through a back four. Um, you know, he. he he yeah he he essentially doubled down and was like cool I'm gonna throw in pe- these guys who I don't one I I don't choose to play even though he's been better than almost you know he's been good enough to play I mean is he is he good enough to play on the Arsenal team Janko yeah maybe not but he hasn't done anything as far as this season to really sway anyone to say oh he's terrible get him out um but yeah I. I think you were talking about Mavropanos. I think you meant the Wofford game where he played and you guys gave him a break. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this was for a back four. And I know it's funny. I was uh, back to our ever back to the average game, back to the podcast. I listening to it. I noticed some of the things you talked about, maybe doing going forward, reflected on this game. Um, I know we talked about how maybe a back four isn't the best because Mustafi and Kashani are knuckleheads together. Tweedledee, Tweedledum. But I, I don't really know what you do. You can't really throw in Mavropanos into the mix with Janko, with Kolasinac, who's kind of ha- hasn't been on good form lately. So it's just very, very oh, puzzling. Gonna, I've got I've got two two barrels aimed at Kolasinac for later on, mate. I've got I've got some big barrels aimed at him. Look, Toby, uh, you know, like I said at the start of the show, is unable to be with us because he's a cunt. Um, actually made a great point today to me in the small amount of time we spoke to each other and he was really heavily of the belief that it was one change too many for this team and that that 
what Emery was actually trying to do and how he was trying to manage the team, that it might have just been one change too many. For example, maybe if you didn't play Jenko, maybe if you had have rolled the dice on AMN, you know, or or maybe if you you had have played Jenko and played the back five the way it was, but said, no, we're going to have a go at Torreira in the middle of the park. I really get that. I really understand that. And that's one of the reasons why my my anger has been extinguished a little bit over the course of the day. For me, Ryan, I'm I'm of the opposite belief of this way of doing it, especially when you're at home. The way I would have liked to have seen it done is if we're worried about assets not being able to play full games, I'd have liked to see us start with a full array of assets, knowing that we're at home and we're in great form, and try and get a goal or two goals up and then pull people off and then bring El Nenis on and then bring Jenko's on. Yeah, uh, that's what he's been doing. Uh, he did it. Uh, was it Napoli? He brought on El Nene. He's he's brought on El Nene, and you know we're we're winning. We're up one nothing, up two nothing, and he just brings him on, kind of seal the deal. And I don't know. I personally like, and that's the thing. And I kind of talked to Toby about this uh, on the fans forum. Um, there are so many things he could have done. Like you, you know, you, you're right. You could have took Janko out. You could have took out. You could have split up the Elena Guendouzi. You could have even put Maitland-Niles at center mid. You could have tried that out since that's his actual position that he that he you know grew up playing, mm. which I would have actually loved to see. Granted, I, it's a, this is probably one of our more important games, probably the most important game we had this season. So I don't know if this is the time to play Dr. Frankenstein, but uh, too late. Emery did that anyway, and you know, and putting a pairing in midfield that that was shown has shown not to work. Playing Janko, playing Mav. So I I don't know. I, I just think Emery went – yeah, I agree. One change too many. He, you know, he went Dr. Frankenstein on us and just decided to make this creation and uh, poor losing one at best. Mm. So Arsenal lose 3-2 at home to Crystal Palace. I guess we should probably break down these goals because they were, they were fairly disgusting. In every single one of them, there's a, a player that's at fault. 16 minutes, fucking Ben Teke. 19 games without a goal. Stupid free kick conceded by Mavropanos. A really cheap foul from Mavropanos that, that didn't need to, really didn't need to happen. And um, initially, I, I really saw it as Mustafi losing his man. And it was the first note that I wrote down that was that Mustafi lost his man. On seeing it on the replay, it's that one's actually not Mustafi's fault. The line steps up. As a whole, the line steps up as a unit, and Jenkinson is found ball watching, following Benteke through to goal and completely playing him on side. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, hmm, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to watch it again because I still saw it as Mustafi losing his guy. Um, Jenko was following his guy. I don't even know whose guy it was. Maybe it was Dan or something. But um, and yeah, I mean, you could definitely blame Jenko for that. I also think it goes down to leadership, and I think the diff, you know the back line was not on the same page. And after the goal, before the goal, there was really no talk amongst the back line and saying, "Oh, we're going to do this." Oh, I mean, do how that. were they even meant to? How were they even meant to be on the same page? And this is going to be my my common theme throughout the entire podcast, Ryan. My my common theme, my statement for this whole thing is, "What did you expect?" What did you expect was going to happen when Jenkinson, who's barely been into the team, comes in? 
What did you expect was going to happen when Kalasnak plays with these guys for the first time? You know, the, 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 when you're bringing in a Mavropanos who has played twice, when you're pa- pairing them with a crocked Koscielny, you know, I just think that what ended up happening was inevitable in, in every facet of the world. And to think that Emery is a to think that Emery is someone who reads the data, the the thing that we're led to believe with him is that he he reads the data, he understands all the matrices of what's gonna happen, he has all the probabilities laid out in front of him, and he's that very mathematical type manager. What the fuck did you think was gonna happen with that back five? Because it was crocked, out of form, and underplayed. And it just it boggles the mind. And Ryan, when you go back and you watch that goal and you watch how disjointed the line is and how much everyone stepped up into different areas and then Jenko follows the ball through, it's 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 pretty it's it's pretty worrying from a, a coaching perspective. Even taking into account that we understand that everything, every decision that Emery has had to make around this squad not just throughout this period of the year, but throughout the entire year, has been based around injury, serious injury, and untimely injury. Uh, yeah, I. It's funny you say that. Like, well, well, what was, what were we to expect? And to me, my first, my gut reaction to scream out is, I expect three points. We're we're a better team than them. Um, they have one player. Do you expect that eleven to deliver you three points? I mean. If you didn't tell me they beat Man City away, I would say yeah. I mean, they you know them being Man City was a little, little pit in my stomach when I saw the lineup, knowing that in the back of my head. But I mean, yeah, you have Zaha, who's a fucking diva, at and that's being nice to him, and he, mm-hmm. he, I just I knew he was going to be a problem to control to some extent, but to me, worrying about one player is in the in the Premier League worrying about one player is I don't think it would would have been our biggest uh a big a big task for us to handle but yeah lo and behold here we are talking about it so I it's yeah it's rough uh Crystal Palace continued to uh, not dominate possession as such but really dominate how Arsenal use their possession after the Benteke goal, because it was so easy for them to pull that Roy Hodgson-style performance and just sit deep and make it incredibly difficult for Arsenal to break them down, to have that incisive pass. Elneny and Genduzi together in midfield. Let's just handle that partnership in that formation in the first half, Ryan. It didn't work. We all saw with our eyes that it didn't work, but tactically, what did you see that was the main reasons that that failed so miserably. I just think that they're not, they're not used to playing together. Um, multiple times I saw them on the pitch together, like way too close together. Um, when they were when they were attacking and moving forward, one of them or both of them just seemed like they didn't know where to go, what to do. Um, you know, and then he had a shot on net. It went to the moon, but, you know, he made he did make some <laughs> runs in the box uh so you know he was the more he was the more progressive player yeah. of the two for me he played further he played further forward and Gendouzi tried to tuck in but to steal a phrase from our mate Manny every time El Nenny gets that far up the pitch he gets a fucking nosebleed 
Uh, yeah, I think him and Awobi be drinking too much of the the same apple juice because yeah, they 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 don't know what they're doing in there. And it's funny too. And you guys did talk about this on the podcast. You guys like we don't. You're talking about um we don't have any um out of the box strike uh strikers out of the box um shooters on our team. Before I know gonna I know Manny's probably gonna shake his fist at me, but before Alnani came to this team when he was playing for uh was it Basel Basel. He was known yep. to shoot from beyond the box, and when he well, he's done fuck exactly, all since he's been and, he came, and, it, and it was actually it was a uh, kind of like news that when he came to Arsenal, Wenger sat him down and pretty much told him, "You're not going to shoot from outside the box when you play for us," and he pretty much gave him his Miranda rights and was like, "You're not don't don't you dare think of shooting from outside the box," and you know, I think that almost turned him into the the specialist in side passes and back passes that we know him as today. Well, for me, for these guys to work, for that that partnership to work or for that pairing to work, you really needed someone in the hole, someone showing for the hole. And I've heard really conflicting, um, really conflicting ideas about Meza Ozil's first half performance. I mean, I saw him spending, for me, I, I saw him spending far too much time out on the wing and drifting out too much to make that overload on the outside, leaving Genduzi and El Neni with little or no one to pass to. I wanted him to show for the ball and be the link between the strikers and the midfield. And for me, he ended up kind of doing what he's done for most of the year, which is is floating into these wide areas and again trying to, I guess, provide for people in a way that, I didn't want him to provide for those people. He was kind of trying to get those balls in from wide areas when what I wanted him doing was popping up in the middle of the pitch, rolling people or turning people or or showing that little bit of skill and actually sliding the two strikers in. Because ultimately, what we were left with was a very isolated Lacazette and a hyper-isolated Aubameyang with little or no penetrative final third passing to actually find them. Yeah, I I think it's... It's weird because oh, I would say almost every other Arsenal game, you have either Genduzi running back to get the ball to start the play, or you have Ozil going back to start to try to start the play. And it's interesting because each has its positives, each has its negatives. And this game we saw Genduzi kind of, kind of like yelling. I, I, at points I did see him like yelling, like "Give me the ball, I want the ball." He wants, he wanted to take space. And I do like that. That's definitely something I want to see going forward. I love the balls on that kid. 19 years old, and he's demanding the ball, and he wants to do stuff. Granted, Mate, he got shredded yeah. by a lot of Arsenal fans for that performance, and I I didn't see it as much as a failure of him. I saw it as a failure of the system around. Yeah, him. I I actually like had him in my in my positives for like the, for a while. I was I was you know I I thought he played one of his better games. I thought he was. I thought he played well, and then I, you know, I, I obviously thought he could have did things better. And I'm also someone who, you know, I realize he's 19. I realize he's still raw, so I kind of almost give him a break, which maybe I shouldn't because you know, hey, every Arsenal player is the same. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't think he played that bad, and I loved his balls in confronting Zaha multiple times. He didn't back down. Zaha got in his face, pointed at him, and. 
I like that. I like that. He doesn't we back down that. from a fight. We need Gendouzi. that as well. Yeah, we're desperate for that. those sorts of personalities. Look, for the same reasons as what you just said about Gendouzi, it's kind of why I've, my, my, I have a natural um, predisposition to go after Ozil when he's quiet. Right, that's something that I that I have because I see his role in the team as being a talisman. Right, and I know I sound like a broken record, and I apologise, listeners, because I've said this over and over again. But I see his role as a talisman. For me, a, a, a talismanic performance is someone who, when the team isn't playing well or the structures aren't working around them, they're able to go seek out the ball, get on the ball, and change the game through their own personal brilliance. I think that's what £350,000 a week buys you. But I was willing to give Ozil a break because of what happened at halftime, Ryan, when the two substitutes came on, Awobi and AMN. The shape changes. All of a sudden, the tempo rises. There is directness. We have defenders backing off. Mesut Ozil explodes into the game for 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, uh, you know, again, same thing, almost same thing as the Everton game. Uh, Wobi comes on and is just the jolt we needed. He's a breath of fresh air. Um, that's it's being speaking light about it, but yeah, uh, I think I honestly think a Wobi should have started. Um, I know a Wobi is probably well, the evidence. The evidence would fucking yeah, show. Yeah, I know <laughs> a Wobi's probably better suited for like away matches. So we can kind of you know bring it to teams but i just i think we were lacking a will be out there in the first half and i just you're like you said yeah i think we needed directness and he brought that the instant change he had on just alone on urzel the the first touches that Wobi had the directness the willingness to run the willingness to go shoulder to shoulder with a defender the willingness to put a ball beyond them and chase after it just that alone seemed to to, to fire Mesut Ozil up, to, to, to stoke him. And I wonder whether or not that's why he plays well at home and he plays poorly away from home. Because, Ryan, in my opinion, we were set up as an away team at home against Crystal Palace and it didn't fucking work. And considering our away form has been so bad, it's, I'm going to go back to it again, Ryan. I'm going to say it again. What did you expect? Mm-hmm. What did you expect, Emery? What did you expect from Ozil in a in a one-dimensional, tempo-less team when he's he's a really tempo-less player at the best of times, Ozil? And when we've seen him at his best this season, his best moments this season, have actually been Arsenal on high-pressing, high-paced, counter-attacking football. I'm thinking about what we did to Fulham, uh, what he did against Southampton, you know, the goal that he scored to get us back to 1-1, which again was a, a fast, high-tempo, one-touch passing move, sliding in with a fantastic finish on it. And I wonder if this is a is a real indicator of why the man's home and away form are so different. And look, I'm not an Ozil apologist. Everyone knows I'm not an Ozil apologist. Everyone knows I have issues with him, and I've said over and over again, you know, this talismanic approach, the fact that he should be able to play in multiple different styles of game but maybe the issue with Ozil is that everyone thinks he's this multi-dimensional player maybe he isn't 
a multi-dimensional player. Maybe he does very much specifically need certain players playing certain roles around him for him to be able to flourish. Uh, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Um, I think him and Awobi could can work well together. I think Awobi makes him run, makes him make moves, makes him dart in and out of the midfield and defense. Um, you know, I... I do. I don't think Ozil is this like you know multi-dimensional guy. And you know, coming from someone who's you know still uh, sucking on his titty milk a little, you know, I been known to a, nosh. Yeah, a little here and there every every other Saturday. But yeah, it, it he he almost and this is a constant argument i know everybody has about ozil is it's almost like yeah he's he needs the team to be better around him for his uh abilities to really show and i don't think the team needs to be that good because you know that little play with a wobi that led to our, our uh, equalizing goal wasn't wasn't anything wasn't anything barcelona only barcelona could do wasn't anything you know the top teams could do so I just think he needs that little – he needs someone else that says, yeah, Ozil, yeah, I'll fuck with you. I'll ride with you. And then just play the one-two, play the – you know, Lacazette got involved, make it a threesome. You know, I – we need more of that. And, yeah. So maybe the real issue with Mesut Ozil is that he is actually incredibly one-dimensional. And maybe that is an attitude thing that makes him that one-dimensional player. Maybe that is a reason why – he doesn't like to dig in or he doesn't like to graft it. Maybe it is a personality thing that he actually is only able to play well when other people around him are playing well because it takes all of the onus off him. I think the Mesut Ozil must suffer so badly from a lack of leadership that in a lot of ways he's unable to direct the team around. And I will put this out there, Ryan. I reckon if Mesut Ozil was on 220 thousand pounds a week a lot of the arguments around him wouldn't exist because on that money we'd be able to play him in 60 percent of the games and not worry about the fact that he is incapable of playing in an away formation or incapable of playing in a formation where we are setting up not to concede so my sentiments towards him remain the same that i don't believe that he does enough and i don't believe he has the attitude and i don't believe that he is good enough or enough of a talisman, but I will concede that this is one of the clearest pieces of information that I've seen, that maybe what Ozil requires around him is hard-running wide men. And I do wonder if we can't shift his wage next year, if we can't move him on next year, which would still be my preferred outcome. I wonder whether or not the real answer to the question is, how do I get more hard-running technical wide men around Mesut who are willing to interchange and exchange with him to get the best end product out of him? Yeah, uh, you know, I think that Ozil knows what he does best. I think he he knows what works for him. And it's almost like, you know, hey, why be bothered putting a foot in, making a tackle when I could be, you know, floating up the pitch, my defense does the work, which, yeah. We know how that goes. I get the ball, uh, I and I could just you know make runs in and out of there because he, he the things he does well he does very well, and you know don't don't want to start a huge debate here about it, but 
the the um the argument that everybody goes about is oh three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week. Let's not forget Arsenal was put into a corner and had to do it. They they had no choice. They were either gonna they were gonna lose Ozil and and Sanchez, and they couldn't lose both because then whew, I don't even want to know what would have happened if that happened. But they couldn't lose both, so they had to be like, hey, they had to almost give in to Ozil, and they and they it was almost as if Arsenal wrote down a piece of paper. Hey Ozil, we're gonna we're gonna give you this. Fold the piece of paper up, slide it across the table, and Ozil looked at the looked at the paper. His bug eyes lit up, maybe even glowed a little. I don't know. And he he's <laughs> like, yeah, sure. It was almost as if Arsenal came up with that number, not him. And I just think it's kind of unfair to kind of put that kind of oh well he he's on three hundred fifty pounds a week. Well, yeah, Arsenal had to do it. That's that's not his fault. That's not his fault. They had to give him the money just because hey. If we didn't have him or Sanchez, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what could have happened. Look, I agree. I agree and disagree. I agree and disagree. Look, I still think he's weak. I still think that he's a coward. I still think that he. One of the reasons why I think he's a coward. And I know people find that a really emotive word and they get upset about it. But one of the reasons why he's a coward is because he's unable to shoulder the responsibility himself. He actually requires other people to take the spotlight off him for him to step into the spotlight. So it's a weird yeah. kind of weird kind of dichotomy. But, you know, just to round off the point, my, my main thing there was that I just really did feel that this really highlighted that for me. And it really highlighted the difference between the way we set up at home and the way we set up away, even though it had different personnel. Lovely finish from Mezzet. Again, pretty much unsavable. I don't know how keepers are ever going to work out how to save this. It's a bit like saving a penalty that goes straight down the middle. If a keeper stands there and doesn't move and the ball goes in the corner, he looks like a fucking idiot. But it only takes one keeper to do it a couple of times and people will stop shooting down the middle. So I don't know what's going to happen with this shot from Meza if goalkeeper's going to start standing up instead of kind of closing the legs, expecting him to shoot underneath them. Regardless, Ryan, after this outpour of emotion after Awobi coming on and running hard, being athletic, the pass from Lacazette through to Ozil for this miraculous finish. I was up. I was ready to go. I was on the couch and I thought, this is it. We're in it. We're in it to win it. And I think this is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Step into the limelight. Uh, Shakhtaran Mustafi. Oh God. No, say it ain't so. Yeah, I, I mean, back to the Ozil goal, I... That emotion that he showed when after he scored, my eyes lit up, and would you believe it? I almost started to, you know, say, "My boyfriend, he's back. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. You <laughs> see, he, you see his emotion. He's back." And yeah, and then the other German decides to have his say on the matter. Probably one of the worst individual pieces of defending I've ever seen from a defender at Arsenal in the entire time I've been following Arsenal and we've had some bad defenders we've had some defenders at the end of their careers we've had some bad defenders in our team to be the worst to say that you are the the worst defender in the history of bad Arsenal defenders I think is something quite serious something quite heavy and the, the the general outcry from the Arsenal fan base has been has been full on. And I will admit that my initial comments that went out 
were pretty bad as well. I actually deleted some things that I wrote on some forums because they were they were pretty vicious, and I I rethought about them and about kind of what my role is in the Arsenal world and trying to put a little bit less hate out there. But in the words of Scunny Mike, I fucking I fucking hate Mustafi. He's a fucking cunt. Yeah. Ugh. I, I yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's working. I. I, I did wish Scunny was here. I. I love his accent. When he says Maitland Niles, I. My nips get hard. But yeah. Another time. It's a very there, sexy yeah, accent. I love it. it. He does have a lot of children, so it must work <laughs> yeah, for him. It definitely does. Playing that game. Um, the Mustafi ever error, Ryan. Um snapshot i mean i don't even know how much time we need to spend on it because it was so clear so obvious it doesn't require a lot of debate but your feelings when it happens it's completely against the run of play where are you at as a person at this point in the game we talk about how Genduzi has 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 those big french balls i think mustafi had some big german balls for a second blaming leno for uh his uh colossal fuck up that that was i i i started laughing I started laughing when he looked at Leno, raised his hands, and blamed him to get the ball. Um, yeah, it just schoolboy defending. Not, I wouldn't even say it's schoolboy defending. When you when you grow up, when you start to play in the elementary level and learning how to play defense, that is what exactly they tell you not to do. And just seeing him do that, especially to Zaha too, someone who's quick and fast. You know, if it was Ben Teke, I, I, you know, maybe Ben Teke wouldn't have ran around him. I, I don't know, but but Zaha's coming at you miles an hour, you know, at 100 miles an hour. You're gonna just try to try to take a feel for him, try to see, you know, trying to see where he is. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just I'm baffled by the situation. I think it was the it was the final indictment, the final indictment on Mustafi's character. Is is that that pleading look towards Leno as if to say? Please let this be your fault. Yeah. Please yeah, let yeah, this not be my fault. You know, I, I in that moment, in between all the anger, I, I, I shed a thought for Mustafi and for his mental state. You know, with this, with a fan base just writhing for his fucking blood. And then I thought, no, fuck you, Mustafi. You're a spunk bubble. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh... Someone brought it up on the uh, on the fan forum, and it was very interesting. And they were saying how every time Mustafi has pressure on him or has a play to make or something has to happen, a big moment with him, he looks for a way out. Whether he throw he, whether he yep. throws a tackle in, you know, does something uh, yellow card or red card worthy, or does what he did against Zaha, he's always looking for a way out. And to me, that's Honestly, that's like scary uh, for him to be our center back, and pretty much he's yeah. You know, I don't know how many games he started for us this season, but he's been probably started the majority of games this season for us. So for someone to be that, for it to be so um, apparent that he's constantly looking for ways out and looking for ways to just almost like kill the play. It's worrisome, definitely going forward. And you know, go back, going back to your statement, I, I do think, yeah, he might be, he might be the worst defender we've seen at Arsenal for quite some time. I mean, and that's fucking saying some shit, yeah. right yeah. there. You said it, and I, I wasn't sure how <laughs> I to mean, react. It's... I'm like, no, no, no. We have, 
And then I'm like trying to count on my fingers, and I'm like, ah, there's there's Name nobody. Worst there's defender. nobody. Senderos. Senderos was oh, better than God. him. Uh, I would say he's been more damaging in major fuck-ups than Scalacci. Worse than Sylvester at the end of his career. Pascal Sagan. Oh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we've we've had some bad defenders, but Mustafi is some next-level shit. Yeah. Now, I, I may be on the ledge here looking down and speaking utter bullshit, but the question is, do you maybe put Xhaka back there and play center back? Like, I don't know. No, <laughs> I look, don't know. look, you're going to... Mustafi, Mustafi is going to have to play minutes again this year. There's there's no doubt about that, that Mustafi is going to play minutes. And I would be very surprised if we don't see him in the game against Wolves in a back three with Koscielny and Socrates. Very surprised. Um, I, I You know... The idea that you can say, I never want him to play again. I never want him to wear the shirt again. That that concept just doesn't work, Ryan. He's an Arsenal player. He's a German national team player. He's got a World Cup medal, oh, okay. I believe. Yes, yeah, I think he's got oh, a World, God, Cup, yeah. World Cup medal. I remember. Still. Um, you know, and at his core, at Mustafi's core, he has all of the attributes not to be the worst defender that Arsenal have ever had. The problem is, is that he's the worst defender that Arsenal yeah. have ever had. So we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it does really come back to my sentiments at the very start of the podcast, where I said, you know, I kind of get what Emery's doing and I kind of understand what he had to do. And maybe in this particular game, he just he just undervalued Crystal Palace a little bit with one eye on the Wolves game with Socrates coming back for the Wolves game. You know, I, I think he just maybe thought what I've got here is going to be enough. And unfortunately, those players, they didn't deliver for him. And Ryan, speaking of not delivering, straight after the giant Mustafi fuck up, two minutes after, in fact, we have the third goal, the goal that makes it 3-1 and really ends it all. I think it was a header back across the face. Um from I think it was Scott yeah he he uh (laughs) poor Torreira uh our little pit bull he he tried his hardest to like almost like spear Scott Dan off the ball and Scott Dan still won the header he beat he beat Torreira and he beat Koscielny headed it to Mustafi who I don't know what he was again (laughs) I don't know what he was thinking he tried um running to the Scott Dan header to try to get that Obviously, too late. Kind of caught with his pants down a little. Instead of instead of following his man and MacArthur, yeah, and then MacArthur tapping with his head. Yeah. I'll tell you else. I'll tell you who else was absolutely. If if you slow it down, you have a look at that. Kalasenak is awful in that goal. Outswinging corner doesn't follow the play out. You know, doesn't push up at all. He's actually the man playing them on side, and Oof. he's just a, a very static passenger. In that piece of defense, incredibly poor for all of the game in more ways than one Kalasnak. But we're going to dig into that. Uh, Just quickly, Ryan, Aubameyang's goal, he kind of gives us a a glimmer of hope. And we do pile on the pressure after that, but we can't see it out. We end up going down. Much to say on the Aubameyang goals. Interesting. I haven't seen him really burst with power through the middle of the pitch before that was a new thing for Aubameyang yeah uh, that's 
the first thing I said when I saw it, I was very excited to see him dribble through people, kind of show his presence a little. And for me, I I even said this, I have it in my note, I didn't even know he was playing until that happened. Uh, I didn't know he was on the field. I, I didn't see him do a thing all game. Now, do I want to blame him or do I want to play the midfield and like the, the link and the connecting and him being, you know, super isolated? I don't know. But I literally I had no idea he was on the field. And so for him, when he when he did when he did what he did, I was excited. I was like, we're going to do this. And then I kind of sat back down. And when I sat back down, I kind of brought myself back to reality. And I go, wait a minute. Did, he scored in the 77th, 78th minute. We, we we have like 15 minutes if we're lucky left, and he's gonna he's gonna come back into the game now. He's gonna sh- he's gonna say, oh yeah, hey guys, I'm here. I don't know if you guys saw me, but I'm I'm here hanging out with you guys and I'm playing soccer or football. Sorry, but it it just it, it's baffling me because I I was also on the train when we signed Obama. I was p- pushing for Obama to get signed. I think the summer before we actually – or like a year before we actually signed him. I was a huge, huge admirer of his endorsement. Um, but I just – I want to see him do that more. I want to see his pace more, his speed more. And I want him to show up more. Look, against pop, against popular opinion, I don't like Mustafa um, – I don't yeah. like you bang a man and Lacazette together. Against popular opinion. I don't actually think they work really well despite having this great connection. I think at any stage, if you put two strikers on the pitch together, they are going to, throughout the course of the season, provide each other with assists. That's just fucking common sense. That, that That's just going to happen because they're two players who are playing close to each other on the pitch. I would much prefer us run into next season and whichever one of them is showing better form wherever... I would play that one and I would park the other one on the bench and let them fight it out because I think that they're both number nines and there's not really a great deal of room in that team for two number nines. They certainly don't work in a 4-4 fucking two that everyone screamed for for the entire year. One of the only times, a couple of the only times actually they've worked together and looked really good has been when Ramsey came into the team and split them and ran through the middle. And even then I would argue that it makes Aubameyang very quiet and it changes the way that Lacazette has to play his football. So, I mean, just quickly, Ryan, just a quick one minute on it. Lacazette and Aubameyang together, you a fan? You're not a fan? And and based on, I guess, the based on the, the, the data that's in front of us of an entire season of trying to squeeze these two guys into the same team. What do you foresee for next year? Yeah, for me, it's more of a double-edged sword. Um, I, I, You made a backward shooting I, guy. Yeah, well, or that. I, I like <laughs> them. I like them together. I think their friendship off the pitch translates well to them on the pitch. And I think that they play well together because they're such good friends off the pitch. But... I think putting, you know, having an extra striker is taking away a midfielder. And I think our midfield needs the most work. I think our midfield needs to really bulk up and do the thing. And we're, and it's not, obviously. And I just think, you know, Mustafa, uh, Mustafi, they got me talking about Mustafi still. Lacazette constantly, I, you know, we see him constantly coming back. There was a few corners he was like in the box defending. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's putting a shift in, which I can't argue that, but he's a striker. 
and we can't always rely on him to always come back, put a foot in, do the you know do the dirty. But I think Lacazette's shooting has really suffered since his goal store, his goal scoring has suffered since he's taken up this mantle as the the everywhere yeah. player the guy who's going to pick up the ball deep and run wide and hold the ball up and turn the ball and provide everything. And I wonder if, you know, the Lacazette who we got out of Lyon, who was a goal-scoring player, you know, a 20-plus year, 20-plus goal-a-year player, I'm, I'm worried that maybe the Aubameyang thing is taking a little bit away from that and in turn Lacazette being there is taking away from Aubameyang. It's a it's a it's a real dichotomy and a really weird one. I think it'll be interesting for us to have a look at it at the end of the season, have a really good grasp of the stats. But speaking of stats, Ryan, three two ones, one two threes. Tough this week. Tough because it's difficult to find positives. I had my negatives. I had plenty of people for negatives, but tough this week for me to come up with positives. So for you, Ryan, your positive three, your man of the match. Who did you have and why? So my man of the match, controversy coming, but my man of the match was Awobi. I thought he was exactly what we needed in, in that second half. He was the jolt. He was the spark. He was everything. Did he miss a, a shot that he should have scored? Yeah, he did. Uh, the, I think... <laughs> I uh, I don't want to get too angry, but I just I don't. Awobi had a great forty-five minutes of football. He was get I, fucking angry, Ryan. Who you getting? Who do you, who did you want to get angry at? Do you want to get angry at all the fucking <clears throat> fans across all of the fucking match thread who was screaming for his blood, saying this is why he's shit. This is why he's got to get out of the team. When for me, I also gave him three points. Yeah, yeah. he was. The game changer, exactly what we required at that time. And in my opinion, had you have started with that sort of intensity and physicality, we don't end up in this shit in the first place. So don't drag him across the coals for missing an opportunity to get us out of the shit that he had already almost single-handedly pulled us out of. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand the hate he gets. Uh, I think it's weird because I, the hate he gets. From the people, I think those people just uh, think that everyone else thinks, oh, he's going to be our best player. He's going to start for Arsenal. He's going to win us the Premier League. No, 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 no. People need to realize we have injuries. Love that guy. And we, you know, <laughs> yeah, Sign him we, up. It, it's, it's, it's been, you know, tough. And people also need to realize we are outperforming our expectations that were set in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, our expectations were Champions League football. Just out of interest, yeah. Ryan, just out of interest, what was your finishing position for us this year, your prediction? I thought that we could... See, originally, I thought we could definitely get, get fifth. I thought we were going like, to make a good run for fifth. I, uh, but I thought we had a really good chance of winning Europa. So, and like in bringing Unai Emery into the fold, I thought, okay... Here's someone that knows how to win Europa. He's not gonna try to. Yeah, he's gonna try to do his best to win the, to do good in the Premier League. But I already had the preconceived notion, like, okay, this is a manager that's gonna put all of his eggs in the Europa basket. 
and looking looking at the teams that were in and even looking at the teams that dropped out of Champions League into Europa, I thought we had you know, I think we I still obviously think we still think we have a really good chance of winning it. Um So I had us picked okay. for sixth, Brian. I thought that we were gonna comfortably be in sixth. I couldn't see how a a club in flux like we were in with a brand new manager who was going to have to change everything everything about us from the ground up was going to be able to get us anywhere near the top four Europa League aside yes we understood what his what what his history with that competition was and that he may have been brought in to do that but arguably like you said you know we we are so far beyond where we thought we were going to be. And we are completely overachieving, completely overachieving every manner. I would argue that Chelsea have better players than us. Tottenham have better players than us. And primarily I'm talking about starting 11s here, not squads overall, because I think some of their squads are really thin. Some of their backups suck, and that's why they're in the position that they're in. But for me, Awobi is a guy who, he's like a, a, a he's like an unblossomed flower. Right? Awobi is a hymen, right? And he's he's yet to be broken and we're yet to, to get the full enjoyment of basically having sex with Awobi, right? And what, what we need is we need to give Awobi time to learn how to fuck. Exactly. Because Awobi sucked no one's dick this year, right? But he's like hot and and we want to fuck him, but he's not letting us. What do you think about that? I mean, shit? yeah, he he's that girl. There's a there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there, Ryan. <laughs> no, I completely agree. I think he's that girl in high school that everybody wants to get after, and you know, she was hot, yeah, but she wouldn't and fuck. She's got that T-shirt that says "Won't fuck until marriage," and people are they, you know they're still holding out. They still they still have hope. They're like, no, 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 no. I don't worry. Wait until she sees my piece. Wait until she sees my charm. Wait until she sees how much money I make, and. It's just constant, like, caveman, like, I'm going to win her. I'm going to win her love. And, yeah, I mean, kind of what you're saying, you know, he, he needs to be deflowered. And I think it took me, it, you know, it took me a while. But, like, I think this game really showed me I think he may need to go out on loan. I think I kind of talked to Toby, Toby about this. I think he needs to feel like he's a bigger piece in the puzzle. I feel like performances like this that he's just had are building blocks towards that happening. And I kind of feel like hitting the back of the net just a couple of times would do him the world of good. That Yeah, that's his, that's his cherry popping is him hitting the back of the net. It's him hitting the back of that clip. Just bang, do you remember when bang, he did it? Bang. Do you remember when he did it when he was offside earlier on in the season? He cunted one yeah. when he was offside. I've forgotten, forgotten uh. when it was, and we were all like, "Why don't you do that the rest of the time?" Uh, the guys on I, I listened to some of Arsenal Vision today, and the the guys on there were talking about the idea that he might be so afraid of fucking up that he's not willing to to get at it a hundred percent. And so he tries to guide the ball into the net instead of just smashing it. And, you know, I kind of get the feeling with a Wobi that he's a couple of performances away 
a couple of really serious performances in big games away, a couple of moments away from you know when you see players like ratchet up and takes that and take that next level. We were talking about it with AMN the other week that you know that that sliding tackle to keep us in the game, you know that might have been a moment for AMN where he stood up and he said, "Oh, I belong. I can own this position. I can be a right wing back." And I feel like with a Wobi, he's just bubbling. He's just bubbling, waiting to happen waiting for something big to happen in a big game where he puts one top corner and and, the, and you know where he silences the world around him and wraps his foot around one and laces one and, and feels that elation of winning a game for Arsenal because he has been the difference on so many occasions, so many occasions this year where we've been like, Awobi was the difference or we've been poor and we've been screaming at halftime saying, bring Awobi on. We need pace and we need power. And I do just get the feeling he's a moment or two moments away from from maybe being deflowered and having that that elastic band of a hymen exploded and then just snapped just like a rubber like a dicks. bad rubber band, old rubber band. Yeah. And then just fucking it's on. It's like first year of college, Ryan. It's just fucking dicks everywhere, but dicks are goals. Fucking goal dicks. Yeah, I I do think he he needs to really put in a putting a performance in like a big game I think I, I want to say it was the year Leicester won where we were I think mathematically we were out of it I think Leicester already won the title Awobi scored like I want to say two goals in the last like three games and he really he really you know did what he to me I thought that was the moment hey you just lost your virginity welcome to Arsenal you know obviously that's not the case <laughs> but to to see that he can do it, I mean, granted, we weren't really playing for anything, so it was the game. I yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was when Leicester won the title. The game wasn't the game didn't really the games didn't really mean anything, and he was playing really good, scoring goals, and everyone's like, oh, who, and this is I think when no one really knew who he was, and I was like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy's gonna be the first team next season. Yeah, but then we told then we told poppied him like we always mm-hmm. do. You know, we tall poppied him. We started giving him shit and started saying he wasn't good enough and started booing him and having yeah. a go at him. Three points for a Wobi for you. Three points for a Wobi for me. Very, very contrary. I'm sure people have something to say about that. But two points, Ryan. Who did you have and why? Yes, yeah, so I, I back to what you were saying. I had a tough time getting positives, um, but I had AMN Maitland Niles. I admit maybe that could be because he came out with a Wobi. And when Awobi played really well and put the jolt in, I just grouped AMN in. But I I saw him making really good plays off um off the ball running. He he started the I want to say he was the first one. He had the ball for the uh, Ozo goal, and I think he did the best job of putting Zaha in his place. Because once he came on, Zaha tried to take him on. AMN did a a pretty pretty well job defending him. He ran with him which no one on the pitch seemed to do for us and towards the end I would say like the last like 30 minutes I realized well shit this doesn't this door is closed and then the whole you know last 20 minutes of the game he was on the right side of the field just trying to go in go in on Kalasnach and I think that, that helped lead to their third goal or like the the um the set piece the corner that happened but he was yeah he was pressuring on that on that left and aim and really shut him down and I I'm thinking AMN's doing some things and I'm I'm definitely I'm really excited for him. Are you starting to are you starting to fall for 
AMN run. I've been I've been a big fan of his for a couple seasons. I was actually a fan. I really wanted to see him and uh, the Jeff Jeff Rennie Annalee. Really, I thought they were really going to come on um, and do some things. Uh, I was actually very surprised when we sold when we sold the Jeff, but AMN is just doing the damn thing, and I'm I'm proud. Of, I'm happy he's on our team. I think he's. You know, obviously he hasn't been perfect. He's had a few uh, shitty games here and there, but his Bob Mar Bar ugh, his Bob Marley attitude needs to change at some point. But he- seems to have dissipated a bit lately, though. Is his intensity to get back to make challenges? I'm right there with you. Um, as far as him coming on, I thought he was really good in an attacking uh, aspect. When he came on, a lot of our late chances were from AMN's runs, AMN's athleticism, his willing to to lay off the ball and go beyond, I thought was massive. I agree with you completely. It really shut Zaha up when he came on, did a much better job of him than what what Jenko did. Um, again, made another really good block. AMN, another, another well-read last defender block. Um, couldn't be happier for him. And, you know, I think when we look back in a couple of years, we might actually look at this Bellerin injury being the door that opened up for AMN to step into. And really, careers are, are built on this. Across all sports, careers are built on this. You have the incumbent, the man who holds the role. And sometimes it does take, you know, for someone to step in in a crisis to be able to to really peacock, you know, to, to spread their wings and say, look at this shit. Look at my mighty fucking colours. Mate with me. Yeah, he he's really coming in coming into it and I hope that he, I I just hope that we find a spot for him. Whether yeah, you know, he he could be a squad player. I, I don't know, but we He could play he could play twenty five games at right back next year yeah you know it's and, and be that extra select extra choice in in midfield i don't see why he won't split the games with bellerin you know you've got league cup he, he could conceivably play all of the league cup all of the fa cup all of the early ties either in the champions league or in the europa league where we end up you know i can't see him not getting games in that right wing back area now and and, and i do hope we get to see him in central midfield but Toby raised this point on the last podcast that for a young guy to be playing against men, just game time is important. Just game time. Doesn't matter what position, as long as he's on the pitch, as long as he's getting 25 or 30 games a year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I just don't... I not. He's not a bad player, but I just don't want him to turn into like a James Milner where he's just... He's like a Swiss Army knife. He could play anywhere. But he doesn't get really great anywhere because he does have the potential to be great at a, at a position, whether it's right back, whether it's center mid. And I think the obvious choice would be center mid because that's his preferred position. That's where he, he grew up playing. And we have Bellerin. He's actually been quoted saying he thinks he might be a right winger. Not a right wing even, back. Even better. Right that's exactly what we need. If he's willing to put in a nice I'd little I'd love to shift, see him have a crack. Oof. I'd love to see him have a crack, you know, in a four-three-three with a Wobi on one side, Naaman on the other side. I mean, that's like I have a half chub. That for me is just that's, like power. yeah. That's me awesome. too, man. Me too. I'm full. Oof. I'm erect. Thinking about that. Oh. Um, 
Two points, Ryan, I had for Lacazette. Um, I, I just thought that, again, Lacazette never stopped, never stopped running, never stopped trying. I don't actually think his form is very good at the moment. I don't think he's great. But the thing I like about Lacazette is when the game seems to be passing everyone else by, he will go looking for it. He'll go looking for work. And it doesn't always come off for him, but I just I really appreciate what he does for the team as a whole. Uh, Ryan, one point. Who did you have and why? My boy. I don't know if he's coming back, but I saw those sparks. My eyes lit up, and I, I, I can't. You didn't give it to Bug Eyes. I gave it to... We got Ozil. Who? Mesut no, Ozil. I did. I saw, again, I, I know it's controversial. I saw a lot of people slagging him off and saying, oh, he, all he had was the goal. And he had a few very good crosses. He, um, the one cross he had, like, towards the end of the game where it was missed by both. Wobi, I think it was Wobi and Aubameyang missed, missed it. But I'm not saying he was man of the match. I'm not saying he was amazing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not jerking him off. Not yet anyways. But <laughs> I, it was tough for me finding a point. I was torn. I was actually torn between him, Leno, and Lacazette. And I, I couldn't give it a Leno. Just like, whether, whether goals his fault, yeah, probably not. He didn't have enough to do. Yeah. He didn't have enough to do to get his, points for me, Leno. I, I had him around that seven out of 10. I was like, he did. What His double save Look, though mate, on the on the end line. Yeah, Oof. big. Yeah, but it comes Oof. from it comes from a fuck up. I his, his first oh, thing yeah, there, yeah. he puts it back into the middle. So, you know, um, look, I didn't. I had Urzel around a six, seven out of ten. So I didn't have him in my negatives. I didn't have him in my positives. I I completely understand that you saw flashes of something the same way that I saw some flashes of something, and I've kind of almost out of this game, convinced myself that there's almost no point playing Urzel unless you're going to put assets around Urzel that are going to make Urzel look good. Or make him run you know, harder. In some, Yeah, in some ways, I think that that's you know, a great insight and it's something that's great to see. In other ways, I think that's fucking bullshit and I think it's cowardice from Urzel. So once again, you know, I end up completely on the fucking fence about this guy and it's reflected in my in my scores that I didn't have somewhere for him. Mate, much like you, I thought AMN was huge. I gave my one point to AMN, and I gave my one point to him. Similar reasons why I gave my three points to Awobi. When tasked with a job of coming off the bench, your only directive is impact. That is your only directive. How can you change the game? Whether that's how can you change the game to make us more defensively solid or how can you change the game to up our tempo or can you come on and do something individual and amazing that changes the tide. I thought AMN was fucking monstrous again and I said it a couple of weeks ago and I'll say it now. There are very small moments in young players' careers which are defining, which change the way they view themselves and which change the way that the fan base view them. And I hope that a lot of those people who are writing stupid fucking comments about AMN, writing shit on his fucking Twitter feed, direct messaging him and telling him to be better, shit in their own fucking hat and wear it like the cunts they are. Yeah, and the worst part of that was he was responding to these people. He was saying, oh, I'll do better. 
I, I just, I, I, think I, I just very, want. To, I think that was very tongue in cheek. I definitely want to hold him and just rub his head and be like, "It's okay, it's okay. You could rest. Just rest." Yeah. It, <laughs> it, I, I think we're. I, I want to say this. I want to say wherever you go, whatever fan base you support, there's always going to be like those two extremes. You're going to have like you know, and I I do think that with our club, we have more of that. You know, you have. The extremes with Ozil, you have the extremes at Ramsey, uh, with Wenger, and I think now it's kind of I think now coming out of the woodwork is Awobi, Amen. People are just they they love him or they hate him. It's like you could it's okay you can have it in between, and I think people get like it's almost like you know the people that um they just get like almost like confused with like their sexuality and like don't know what to do. So like in in that confusion they're like oh like I I'm definitely straight I, I yeah yeah and and then you just you know, you, you, you gay bash and you do the opposite. And it's just, you could, you could like all the players, you know, you could bash them. Toby put it, Toby put it really well the other week, um, where he said one of the issues is, is that people have become fans of players, not fans of the club. I I think that's really, really true. I think that's a really modern, it's a really modern look at, at, the way that we support and I think that people really do support people not the collective um negative points mate <laughs> I guess it's going to be quite difficult to pick just three <laughs> because there Why? because there was so many poor performances across the entire pitch and I guess you know that the, the that you've got very obvious poor performances and you've got less obvious poor performances. And I found it difficult not to pick the obvious ones. So what I've tried to do is I've tried to pick some obvious ones and I've also tried to pick some left field ones. But Ryan, I'm very interested to find out what your negative one is. Who was your third shittest player on the pitch? So without, I don't want to reveal too much, but I actually wrote, you you said you know oh I, I don't it's very it's multiple people I only I actually only have one person I wanted to write one person's name down for negative three negative two negative one dishonorable mention negative five negative I, I had one person <laughs> so it was very easy for me no but uh for my negative one I had Kashelny and I didn't think he played that bad of a game and the the main reason why I gave him a negative one was because he is our captain. He's our captain. He should be the voice on the field. He should be stamping his foot down, yelling at players. He should have been in Mustafi's ear when he made that first mistake. He should have been riding him all game. He didn't. He's quiet. He's weak. I'm starting to sound like Manny. He's petulant. You are. He's just... Sucker lay blur, Manny. Manny's rubbing off too much on me because I... I used to love. I used to be a big fan of Kashelny. I still, I still am to an extent, but I can't. I can't just. I can't stand there and watch my captain, not, you know, put his foot down, not yell, not scream, and I think that's also like segues into me saying, I we we really miss Socrates, like really, like we. I wasn't that. Wasn't that one of the real takeaways? from this game. I almost... Like, the real takeaway, Socrates is the fucking glue yeah. that has been holding the team together. And not only that, but I would argue that Socrates has been the crutch that Koscielny 
has exactly. been able to come yes. back, yes. leaning on. And and the second that you know, that once Socrates wasn't there, and we all know Koscielny isn't a vocal leader. He, he's not that sort of player. And I, I look, I didn't give Koscielny negative points. I, I I do understand where you're coming from. That as a defensive leader, as the captain, he needs to be mustering the troops in that manner. I I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do that. Really based on who he had around him and his his I guess his performances since he's he's come back and the fact that he's fucking on one leg. But God, wasn't it evident that you know we talk about oh what are we going to do without Ramsey? What are we going to do without Shaka? Mate, what are we going to do without? Our defensive leader, like yes, he's back next week. But doesn't it also make you absolutely shit your fucking pants that Callum Chambers conceivably going to be sold? Mustafi has to be sold. Koscielny's at the end of his career. Mavropanos does not look to be ready in any manner yet to step into the first team, despite everyone's fucking noshing of him immensely since he made one fucking good appearance last year. And the guy who we're basically anchoring our defense on, Monreal as well, sorry, you know, coming to the end. So the one guy out of all of the defenders who we're anchoring our future on as a leader is a 30-year-old Greek guy who's not going to be around for that long. Is that not fucking petrifying? Yeah, when you put it like that, I'm... uh... I peed a little, but yeah, it's 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 upsetting. Um, <laughs> I want, I hope Holding can you know come back from this injury and be stronger. I I, I believe Holding is going to be a top defender. I just don't believe that he's anywhere near being a defensive leader. Oh no, no, I mean, no, no, no. You, yeah. I, and, this is what I I'm talking. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm saying. Like when we go into the fucking transfer market with our budget and the whispers coming out of Arsenal is that defense is not our main priority for a high-price signing, right? That's not where we're going to spend the big money, right? We may very well bring a defender in, but that's not where we're going to spend the big money. That petrifies me, the idea that Socrates, that another 30-year-old, is the guy, the main man. Yeah, I, we, 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 need vo- we need a voice out there, and... And I, not even defensively. I, who's going to be our voice? Period. Who? Ganduzi? I, I mean, he's still nineteen. I maybe, but besides, you need Socrates. I don't really see a voice in this team, and, th- and that alone scares that scares me. And I, I just, I, I just, yeah. I like I said, Koscielny did not have a bad. I didn't think he played that, considering how bad our defense was and how many mistakes we made. I didn't think uh, Koscielny had a bad game, but we we need voices. We we need we need a lead on the pitch, and he's just not doing it. I feel you. I feel you, Ryan. I feel why you went there. Look, mate, I went for the very very low hanging fruit. I gave a negative one to Jenko. Um, I'm I'm done with. He's an Arsenal boy. He's an Arsenal man. He's, you know, better watch I don't out. Care Fergus, is, Fergus might be listening. He may be. He, yeah. I know. I know. Careful. I know. I know. I don't care if he's jerked off in a fucking Arsenal sock his entire adolescence. It's like the guy can't play for Arsenal anymore. He's not there. Maybe if he had have played a shit ton of games, you know, through necessity, maybe he would have grabbed the opportunity the same way AMN has. It hasn't happened for him. Low-hanging fruit. Really sorry, Jenko. 
negative one. Ryan, negative two, who did you have and why? I had Kolasinac. I Yeah, yeah, he, me too, buddy. I, I don't know. I, I want to say him and Awobi like Batman and Robin. And if Awobi's on the pitch, Kolasinac decides to just just uh just shit the bed. But even when Awobi was on the pitch, you know, I get for this game, I, I don't he didn't play well. Yeah, you brought up the fact where uh I think it was the third goal where Kolasinac just left the guy completely unmarked and there was another time where I think uh, I think Zaha was driving down the right hand side or or it was a, or it was a set piece it was something I, I don't remember but Kolasinac sees two Crystal Palace players threatening to score behind him he looks at both of them decides to mark neither of them and then yells at Emery on the side and goes what the fuck why'd you yeah there's two guys here what, what do you want me to do well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe mark one of them. May, then you <laughs> then complain to Emery, but he just... Look, my yeah. issues with Kalasnak run deep, and I have been giving him, consistently giving him negative points across the entire year at the, the great dismay of many of our listeners. And I've been saying consistently, the guy is fucking predictable, right? Yeah. He is the left wing back version of Alexis Sanchez, right? Towards the end with Sanchez, after being really dominant, having a period of time of dominance, everyone knew what Sanchez was going to do. And it was just a matter of the fact, it was just the fact that Sanchez had the skill to still be able to pull it off, that he occasionally still hit one top bins. Kalasinak drops a shoulder, goes past the guy, smashes one across the box. Then he drops the shoulder, goes past the guy and smashes one across the box. Then he drops the shoulder, goes past a guy and smashes one across the box. Look at the man's fucking stats for the year compared to how many balls he has attempted to play in. It is fucking ridiculous. The guy is a first choice, a backup, a 20-game-a-year season player. At best, and I will put this to you, Ryan, that Nacho Monreal in his prime, which isn't even that long ago, going back maybe two years ago, was three times the player that Kalasnak is. I am so fucking done with this guy. And it's not a lack of effort, and it's not a lack of desire because he does work hard. But Jesus fucking Christ, mate, like the guy you could set your fucking watch to what he's going to do in every single game. And I mean, if someone is coming in, if someone wants to offer me money for Kalasinak in the in in next season, I'm taking it, bro. I am so done with this guy. And I'll tell you what, when we do actually have the three two ones and one two threes, when we do the en- the end of season and we go through everything. I'll be very surprised if he doesn't come out as my negative three of the year. Very surprised because I've taken issue with him throughout this season. Yeah, uh, I, he's he's all brawn, no brain. Um, when when he came when he came onto the team, uh, it was when I first started watching because I didn't really I didn't really watch him play in the Bundesliga too much. But when he when he came on, he he again he was a guy we needed. We needed this this tank as you will bulldozing people running people over not giving a fuck and i loved it about him and he beca- and when he joined the team he became one of one of my favorites cuz i just love someone that could just put a shoulder in 
just take you out and just keep on going. But that time, that time's passed. Uh, people know what he's gonna do. Like you said, he's still he's still good to put you know to put someone on the on the floor every now and then. But when you when you're driving down that left hand side and you just dribble into the corner, sometimes you don't even get a cross off. You just lose it because you're just you're just hanging around that corner flag. Um, but yeah, he 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 doesn't know what shooting means. He doesn't shoot. He's he, he for sure he's one of to me he's one of the most frustrating players at Arsenal because I I I think he could be a good player. He has the body for it. He could really put some people on the floor, which which is again I love that about him. But if you're just gonna dribble into the corner and maybe cross it a few times, and which by the way his crosses have been nightmare is being kind to him. They've been pretty putrid they've been horrible yeah i i agree um if if nacho just wasn't so finished i would just say you know let's just play nacho and we'll we'll figure it out he's done he's done he's got no legs yeah. left he's got no legs left but yeah definitely we've got an issue here mate negative three I don't think. Do we even need to go? Do we need no to do curtain. this? You want to just like end the podcast now? I don't even need to talk about this. Well, that was that was that was the original plan. I mean, um, let's just. How about we do this, right? We both got Mustafi for negative three, right? So let's just give three words each for Mustafi, and then we'll call time on this podcast. So Ryan, you had negative three for Mustafi. What were your three words for Mustafi? <laughs> <laughs> three words? You want me? I, I I don't know if I can. I don't know if I could muster three words. Three words, buddy. Three <sighs> words. Jeez, this is a tough one. It's all right. I'll edit this to make I it sound like you just really just out. go fuck yourself. I I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. <laughs> like, I just my three words. My three words, Ryan, to Mustafi is not even once. <laughs> not even once. Would you know what that is? That's an advert for meth. In Australia, that's the slogan for not smoking meth in Australia. And ladies and gentlemen, that is what Shakhtar Mustafi is to the Arsenal Football Club. He is meth. Not even once, Mustafi. Not even once. Thank you very much, Ryan. We'll see you next time on the Ars Brothers. Thank you very much for listening to us, guys. Have a great night. See you soon.